Merry Christmas. It is just wonderful to be with you all this morning as we just continue to celebrate this weekend of, of Christmas and knowing the, the blessing that we have received from God in spite of this past year and, and all the mess that maybe we've had to go through. Now, as we're wrapping up this year, we've been going through this series of Christmas, calling it the, the Miracle of Christmas. We've been using a movie that was created back in 1947, and it's called The Miracle on 34th Street, using some of the clips out of that as illustrations for the sermon series. And we've watched some that have, have been able to illustrate different truths that relate to the biblical story and about faith and belief and, and all that goes with it, but we've not really examined the basic idea behind the movie, and, and that is which really is, you know, this man, Chris Kringle, genuinely believes that he is Santa Claus. Not just Santa Claus, but the Santa Claus. And the rest of the movie then kind of unfolds the, the evidence that is increasing around for everybody else to kind of now put together the fact that, well, maybe he really is the Santa Claus. The idea of, of meeting not just a department store Santa with a fellow who's put on a fake beard and stuffed a pillow under his red outfit and, and knows how to say ho, ho, ho and all those things, but maybe meeting the real Santa Claus has been every child's dream. And so the, there we have this fellow that is there in this movie. But we also have to recognize that we live in a very skeptical society. And people just don't simply want to believe or agree with things. That, so we, we kind of come by the skepticism naturally. We all know that there are a lot of people in our world who make false or fraudulent claims. And so we're a little leery of believing what's really out there. Yet despite the skepticism, there's something about the story that catches our attention. And it kind of draws us in. And we're, we're, we're invited to, to reconsider the, the proposition that perhaps maybe it's something we'd settled long ago in our lives, in our childhood. But as the story begins to unfold, it... It, it, it springs forth this childish hope that perhaps, perhaps there is reality to this. And it begins to open up some incredible and amazing opportunities. Could he really be Santa Claus? Could he be who he says he is? And then really, how sad is it when he's not recognized for his true identity and he's thought to be a fraud. Let's look at this first clip. See what you mean, Mother. Good. But when he spoke Dutch to that girl, he was so... Susan, I speak French, but that doesn't make me Joan of Arc. What I'm trying to explain to you is, come in. They said you wanted to see me, Mrs. Wolbeck. Come right in. Hello there. Good to see you again. It's nice to see you. You're awfully lucky, Mrs. Walker. Lovely little girl you have here. Thank you. And Susan's the reason I asked you to drop down. She's a little confused, and I thought maybe you could help to straighten her I'd out. I'd be glad to. Would you please tell her that you're not really Santa Claus? That there actually is no such person? Well, I'm sorry to disagree with you, Mrs. Walker, but not only is there such a person, but here I am to prove it. No, no, no. You misunderstand. I want you to tell her the truth. Uh, what's your name? Chris Kringle. I'll bet you're in the first grade. Second. I mean your real name. That is my real name. Second grade? It's a progressive school. Oh, it's a progressive school. May I have this gentleman's employment card, please? Yes, Mrs. Walker. This dress is very cute. Where did you get such a lovely outfit? Here at Macy's. We get 10% off. Oh, 
please don't feel that you have to keep pretending for Susan's benefit. She's a very intelligent child and always wants to know the absolute truth. Good, because I always tell the absolute truth. Now, about your school, what's the name of your teacher? Mrs. Haney. Mrs. Haney. Here it is, Mrs. Walker. Thank you. Well, what else do you do besides read and play games? We have rest periods. One half hour. Oh, I don't suppose you care for that, eh? No. We're not allowed to talk or anything. Tuesday, Chester Richards, he kept talking all the time. My, that was bad, eh? Yes, Mrs. Haney made him stay resting all alone for nearly an hour. Susan, dear, uh, would you go out and uh, talk to Miss Adams for a minute and I'll be right with you? All right. Goodbye. Goodbye, young lady. Hope to see you again. Thank you. I hope so, too. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr., uh, Mr. Kringle. I'm sorry, but we're going to have to make a change. Change? Um, the Santa Claus that we had two years ago is back in town, and I feel that we owe it to Have I done to... something wrong? Oh, no. No. Uh, well, uh, yes. Mr. Macy wants to see you immediately. Uh, I'll be right up. Would you sit down, and I'll be right back and sign your pay voucher. See what you mean, Mother. There's a lot of doubt, a lot of questions, a lot of uh, unability to really comprehend what's going on within this situation with this man. And Mrs. Walker, she raises some questions and some doubts about Kris Kringle. There are similar questions, I think, and doubts that are raised about the miracle of Christmas itself. Who, who is this baby that is lying in this manger there in, in Bethlehem? Could he, could he really be who everybody says he is? What if he is? Well, John's gospel describes for us in a beautiful and poetic imagery the miracle of the manger scene. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then 9 through 14, John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it, overcome it. The true light, which gives life to everyone, was coming into the world, and he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory, glory of the one only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the big question is this, and it's, it's kind of answered in the movie about Kris Kringle, and, and we consider the birth of the life of Jesus Christ is a question of identity. Really, who is he? You know, there's a lot of things that are out there that people are saying, but who exactly is this child who was born in that manger in Bethlehem? Well, there are some astonishing claims. Claims that people make about him and claims that he makes about himself as well. But, but could he be who he really claimed to be? Now, in our movie, the old gentleman with the white beard and the friendly smile claims to be not only just a Santa, but the Santa. I mean, Chris Kringle, St. Nicholas, 
the real Santa Claus. And we can't help but smile as, as we ponder the possibility, could he really be? I mean, he, he carries with it the look of this character, doesn't he? Something with us compels us to want to believe, but of course we know better, don't we? It's only a movie. But consider for a moment the miracle of the manger and the astonishing claims that are made regarding the child that was there. And to the humblest of circumstances, Jesus is born. His mother is just an ordinary young woman, a girl named Mary. Father is really unknown on the scene of history except we, we've got a name about him and we really don't know much else about him other than his name is Joseph and he was a carpenter. His birthplace was in a, a barn, a stable. Uh, it's just a small, obscure little village just outside of Jerusalem. Yet Jesus, as he grew older, he came making astonishing claims about his identity. The shepherds were talking about his identity. The wise men came a few years later. They were talking about his identity. And, and so much so that everybody's beginning to wonder, really, who is this child? But he claimed to be sent from God. He claimed to be the Son of God. As a matter of fact, he even claimed that he was God. I mean, those are some astonishing claims when you consider it. You know, the angels announced to the shepherds that this baby was Christ the Lord. We saw that in the book of Luke. As an adult, Jesus would claim to be the bread of heaven and, and, and the living water that can only can satisfy our, our, our deepest hungers. And so we, we see there in John chapter 6, verse 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for life of the world is my flesh. Now, we just celebrated by doing communion with that. We took up the bread and we remembered what it meant about his body that was being broken for us. And, and connecting with him through this way, we, we understand that there's, there's eternal life at stake. He then I wanted to say that he had the authority to forgive sins and to offer freely his grace and his mercy. And so we see in, in Mark chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, he asked this question, which is easier? To say to a paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? That's a good question to ask. But then he goes on and he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he qualified that authority right there at that very moment because what happens is the man actually who had never been able to walk, all of a sudden he stands up, he grabs his mat, he rolls it up, and he begins to walk. He claimed to be the only way in which we can get to go to heaven and experience what resurrection life is all about and, and that we can escape the judgment through him and through him alone. And so we see in John chapter 14, verse 6 and 7, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you had known me, he says, you would have known my Father also. 
And then he makes this astonishing statement. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus is in essence saying, I'm God. He claimed all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And he promised to return to bring us to a righteousness in heaven that he himself is preparing and that he will then judge the world based upon their deeds. What do we make of such radical claims about this fellow? I mean, there are some who would choose to ignore him altogether. Other people, they, 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 while they're very respectful of Jesus, they don't take his claims realistically. So we have people like the Muslims who look upon Jesus and they say, man, what a wonderful, wonderful prophet and great teacher he was. The Hindus, they look at Jesus and they say, he is a way, a way to heaven. Many people want to admire Jesus from a distance, but when it comes right down to it, really he's just a nice man with a beard, isn't he? C.S. Lewis great theologian began to try and put this into his own words and he explained to that Jesus did not leave us much of an option of just considering him some really good guy or a great noble teacher so listen to what he has to say he says I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him well, what do people say about him I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher but I don't accept his claim to be God I mean, that's the one thing, he says, that that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says that he's a poached egg, or, or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool and you can spit at him and kill him and put a demon in you and you can fall at his feet and call him Lord, but you must not and you cannot let us come to any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He's not left that open for us. He did not intend to. And then Lewis says, Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. I mean, these are some big claims that Jesus is putting out here. So he really cannot just be a nice guy with a beard. There's got to be some substance beyond just that. And if we believe that, then that comes along with some staggering implications about him. I mean, what if he is who he claimed to be? If he really is the Son of God, if he really is the Messiah, if he really is God in the flesh. I mean, 
part of the drama of the movie that we've watched is the increasing evidence that perhaps this Kris Kringle really is the Santa Claus that everybody knows of. And every character in the story has to decide for themselves what they believe about him. Someone, an old man who's declared insane and put away somewhere in an asylum, but others, they're ready to support him and, 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 and say that he is the real Santa Claus. And so the really question comes down to, in the movie, is do you believe that he is Santa Claus? Let's see what happens in court. Your Honor, the burden of proof for this ridiculous contention clearly rests with my opponent. Can he produce any evidence to support his views? If Your Honor, please, I can. Will Thomas Mara please take the stand? Who, me? Thomas Mara, Jr. know the difference between telling the truth and telling a lie, don't you? Gosh, everybody knows you shouldn't tell a lie, especially in court. See, Mr. Gailey, do you believe in Santa Claus, Tommy? Sure I do. He gave me a brand new flexible flyer sled last year. And this year... And, uh... What does he look like? There he is, sitting there. Your Honor, I protest. Overruled. Tell me, Tommy, why are you so sure there's a Santa Claus? Because my daddy told me so. Didn't you, Daddy? <laughs> and you believe your daddy, don't you, Tom? I mean, he's a very honest man. Of course he is. My daddy wouldn't tell me anything that wasn't so. Would you? Daddy. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. Goodbye, Daddy. Your Honor, the burden of proof. Ah. <laughs> my, my daddy wouldn't tell me anything that wasn't true. Well, what about this child in Bethlehem? What if his claims are true? Now think for a moment about the, the, the incredible implications beyond that statement. If he is, if this baby born there in Bethlehem really is the Son of God, what if there really was that some awesome person, that someone who knows your names, who knows when you're sleeping, who knows when you're awake, and yes, he knows when you've been bad and good, and yet he loves you and he longs for you to know him and love him. 
What if this child in Bethlehem really is the miracle of the manger? What if Jesus really is who he claims to be? If he is, well, then you and I have got a decision to make. And it's a matter of our eternal significance for each one of us on how we make that decision. What if we decide that the child born in Bethlehem not only determines our destiny, it also determines our earthly direction as well. We cannot accept his claims without also recognizing that he staked his claim on our lives. And if he says, and if he is who he says he is, then all of his promises, all of his promises are true. He really can wipe away every tear from our eyes, every painful past experience. He can take away all of our burdens of guilt and shame and sin and regret. And He can give us a whole new reason to live and to be filled with the fullness of His love and His joy and His grace and His peace and His mercy. I mean, if it's true, right? Well, that brings us to this fateful choice that needs to be made. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is who He says He is? And that's honestly what we've got to ask ourselves. We must all consider the question and answer it for ourselves. I mean, no one can answer it for me. I have to answer it on my own, especially when it comes to this miracle of the manger on Christmas. Jesus, he put the question to his disciples this way one day when he was up north in the Caesarea Philippi area. We see that in Matthew chapter 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So how will you answer that question? Who do you say that He is? If Christ is who He claimed to be, do you believe? Now, now I know that we all want some authoritative uh, proof, but, but that removes the whole aspect of faith, doesn't it? Because faith is the motivator for everything that we're doing in this relationship with Him. But yet we want proof. Well, the same thing was taking place in this movie. Is they, they wanted proof. Somebody with authority to say this guy is or this guy isn't Santa Claus. But what difference does that make? Well, let's look. And furthermore, the defense has yet to offer one concrete piece of evidence to substantiate this preposterous claim. Not one competent authoritative proof that this man is Santa Claus. In view of these facts, and especially since today is Christmas Eve, we're naturally all anxious to get to our homes. I ask that you sign the commitment papers without further delay. Mr. Gailey, have you anything further to offer? 
Yes, I have, Your Honor. I'd like to submit the following facts and evidence. It concerns the Post Office Department, an official agency of the United States government. The Post Office Department was created by the Second Continental Congress on July 26, 1776. The first Postmaster General was Benjamin Franklin. The Post Office Department is one of the largest business concerns in the world. Last year, under Robert Hannigan, it did a gross business of $1,112,877,174. Your Honor, I'm sure we're all gratified to know that the Post Office Department is doing so nicely, but it hardly has any bearing on this case. It has a great deal, Your Honor, if I may be allowed to proceed. By all means, Mr. Gailey. Your Honor, the figures I have just quoted indicate an efficiently run organization. Furthermore, the United States postal laws and regulations make it a criminal offense to willfully misdirect mail or intentionally deliver it to the wrong party. Consequently, the department uses every possible precaution. Your Honor, the state of New York is second to none in this admiration of the post office department. It is efficient, authoritative, and prosperous. We are very happy to concede Mr. Gailey's claims. Um, for the record, Mr. Mara? For the record. Anything to get on with this case. Then, Your Honor, I want to introduce these pieces of evidence. Uh, I'll take them, please. I have here three letters. They're addressed simply Santa Claus. No other address whatsoever. Yet these letters have just now been delivered to Mr. Kringle by bona fide employees of the post office. I offer them as positive proof that uh, a competent... Three letters, Your Honor, are hardly positive proof. I understand the post office receives thousands of these letters every year. I have further exhibits, Your Honor, but I hesitate to produce them. Oh, I'm sure we'll be very happy to see them. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, produce them, Mr. Gailey. Uh, put them here on my desk. <laughs> but, Your Honor... I... Put them here on the desk. Put them... Yes, Your Honor. these letters is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office has delivered them. Therefore, the post office department, a branch of the federal government, recognizes this man, Chris Kringle, to be the one and only Santa Claus. Uh, since the United States government declares this man to be Santa Claus, this court will not dispute it. Case dismissed. And... <laughs> we're looking for proof we're looking for authority we're looking for a context in which we can say well somebody else in greater position of understanding has told me that jesus christ is real if you need authoritative historical proof, the United States of America has made those claims, not only from the office of the president and from Congress and the Senate and also from the Supreme Court, but over and over again, historically, our nation has proclaimed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and yet we continue to deny. 
In the movie, that final courtroom scene represented a most real moment of decision. Case dismissed. But when we consider the child born in Bethlehem, there's an important change. It's, it's an awesome reversal, actually, of this dramatic change of roles that for you and me. When we come before Jesus Christ, we don't sit in judgment of Him as to whether or not He really is who He says He is. Matter of fact, it's Jesus Christ who is Lord and King, the miracle of the manger, God in flesh, Emmanuel, He is the judge of all things. And He is the one who is going to determine our fate, not the other way around. You see, it is Jesus Christ who will determine our final destiny. Scripture records for us in 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 5, verse 10, that we must all appear before the judgment seat of God, of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due him for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. I mean, that's just simply where it is. The miracle of the manger is that God became flesh and He lived among us. He came not so that He could send us to eternal punishment, but He came to set us free. Free from sin, free from death, free from guilt, free from shame, free from all that goes with that. And He could send us to eternal punishment, but He doesn't want to do that. God became man so that we could become children of God. John writes in his gospel in the first chapter, verse 12, he says, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. You see, there's faith. You and I need to believe. It doesn't matter who stands before and gives authoritative proof. Faith is what he's looking for. And if you'll open your heart to Christ and trust him to be exactly who he claimed to be, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Christ will prepare a place for you, a wonderful new place that that, that you'll be able to spend all eternity because He is the one who has created it. You're going to receive the ability to stand in the presence of the Father of all creation, your Father, the one who is perfect and who perfectly loves you. Now, it is possible. But could he be who he claims to be? I believe. Do you? We're going to have an invitation for you. And I want to challenge you this morning to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. If you have never acknowledge that. And if you've never said, I believe, today is a great day to do that. To stand before us, that we'll love you and encourage you and support you. And you stand here and say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the son of the living God. And to acknowledge him as your personal Lord and Savior, boy, what a day to do that. To surrender yourself, possibly even being baptized into his name so that you can receive the most glorious gift of all, salvation.
but it's about faith. It's not necessarily about proof. Because if he chose to prove himself, which he did, people still deny. But do you believe? Let's stand together. And if you want to make this day the first day of your life in Christ, let's do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus. That he is who he claimed to be. That he is your son. And that all the statements about his birth in this world, that they are so true. Father, that he's not just a nice man with a beard. But he's our savior. Our redeemer. Our Lord. And it's in his name that we say, Amen.